0: AM 1060 KDUS Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale, Phoenix.
1: It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Get on three and two to Gavin Sheets. Got him. Brandon fought, went to that sweeper, gets a big strikeout. And he matches a career high. That's number eight, and that's going to be it. Here comes Tori Lavello. Two strikes. Burns, one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. Went after Cutter, down and in. Smithered by Caratini.
0: He throws it to first anyway. He strikeout, number seven of the night
1: for Corbin Burns. Major concern for Tampa Bay. Here's Bo. He jumps all over a fastball, hits it high and deep, out to left field, and that baby's going to go deep into the seats in left field. Oh, Bichette, number 20 on the season. And the Blue Jays have a little breathing room in the ninth.
0: Righty sent good to loopers. That ball's hit high and deep to left field. That ball's out of here. Correa with his 18th and ties it up 2-2.
1: And Danny, that one landed in the Treasure Island home run deck. No balls, one strike. Duran throws. swinging a high drive in the air to right. Moving back Kepler to the track. To the wall. Gone! Randy Orozarena walks it off. And the Rays defeat the Twins 2-1.
0: Fly ball to deep right center field. Could he have done it? Renfro's going back toward the wall. It's gone! (laughs) It's number 300! It has given the Phillies the lead! Bryce Harper has just hit his 300th career home run. He's done it in his 1,481st game. And the Phillies have
1: taken the lead. was picked back the other way witherspoon Devin Witherspoon cuts back what a night for the rookie you think they love him in Seattle how about six points touchdown Witherspoon no flags
0: Coming in the season with only 300 or so snaps. Play clock down to three. They get it to Taylor. And Taylor into the end zone.
1: Spinning. Touchdown Colts. Fumble recovered by the Colts. And then Jonathan Taylor from two yards took care of the rest.
0: Ravens have it at the ten. Jackson takes it himself for the touchdown. Ravens get the turnover. And they instantly turn it into points.
1: McCarthy doubles out of the pocket and launches. Endzone Wilson! That had a vapor trail on it. Dial 602 260 1060. That's 602 260 1060. Or tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060. And now, here's your sports guide, Bob Kemp, KDUS AM 1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, October 3rd edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUSAM 1060 and Cast hd HD 2100.7, Diamondbacks Brewers, who wins the series at Milwaukee? Rays Twins, who wins the series at Minnesota? More wildcard round, who wins the other two series? Rangers at Rays, Marlins at Phillies. The Seahawks, what stood out during last night's victory? Jonathan Taylor, which team would be a good trade partner for the Colts? And what else caught your eye since our last show? And plus one other thing here, anything that you have, today's last call basically for the football weekend now past. So anything that uh, you want to get in as far as uh, what we watched in college football, Thursday through Saturday, or the NFL, Thursday and then Sunday and Monday, get those things in this week. We're moving on once we get to tomorrow. Meanwhile, here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. At moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9-15, our weekly fantasy football update, including waiver wire information uh, from John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Interactive Action, 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup. That will include a Diamondbacks and Brewers series preview. And then the final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup, topped by From the Wire and RIP from the Headlines. All right, off to the uh, pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. Then we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. and Today's question is, who wins the National League Log Card Series at Milwaukee? Diamondbacks or Brewers? And Corey's here and has the early returns. Currently, Brewers leading 75% of the vote there. D-backs at 25% on KDUS1060.com. The Diamondbacks chances improved, it seems, on Monday when Craig Council revealed that starting pitcher Brandon Woodruff is out for at least this series and might not return at any point in the postseason. Today's Twitter poll question Who wins the American League Wildcard Series of Minnesota, which is basically a pick'em? Uh the Jays or Twins and uh what do we have here, Corey? This one's rather close, but Twins at 60% of the vote right now. Blue Jays at 40% on KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter. This series matches teams with excellent pitching and disappointing offenses, at least during the regular season. In addition to those poll questions, who win the other two wildcard series Marlins at Phillies and Rangers at Rays? All those series scheduled to begin today. NFL week number four concluded last night. Pete Carroll has now won 34 of his 49 primetime games after the Seahawks collected 11 sacks last night against the awful Giants and uh, their injury-depleted offensive line. What stood out during last night's 24-3 Seahawks victory over the Giants, and once again, what else caught your eye during the uh, pro or college football week, which is now officially concluded. Meanwhile, the Colts... They have uh, an extra player scheduled to practice this week, or a you know, kind of a new guy, at least new this year. Running back Jonathan Taylor, eligible to return from, from the uh, PUP list. Uh, you know, practice, is expected to practice, at least, with the team on Wednesday. Uh, at least that's what Shane Steichen said yesterday, and he should know he's the head coach. But who knows? It is Jonathan Taylor and it's the Colts. Anyway... Uh, Steichen also said that Taylor could play as early as Sunday's game against the Titans, so we'll see how that goes. What else? Uh, what what team? Excuse me. What team would be a good fit for the Colts if they trade one Jonathan Taylor? Also, in addition to all these excellent topics and questions, what else caught your eye since our last show, all the way back to Monday? That's pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Don't be a target of this. All right. Coming up next, Corey, we have a news update. That'll be followed by our weekly fantasy football update with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Maybe John, and he's the expert, has a different opinion. I had a rough time. I shouldn't say rough time. A it, it, a rougher time, let's call it that, of coming up with uh, fantasy options for this week, especially in the waiver wire. So... Hopefully John will just say, Bob, you're wrong, and I've got all kinds of good ideas here, which I'm sure he does. Once again, bottom of the hour would be phone call time to the uh, KDUS hotline. General discussion, 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup in that bottom of the hour segment. That will include a Diamondbacks and Brewers preview. You're listening to zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7.
0: Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com.
1: It's the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLux HD2 100.7. You're home to Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Time for our weekly fantasy football update, and out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joining the Sports Zone. He tried to say it's the name of the show, Bob, uh, by John McKechnie of RotoWire.com. And John, can fantasy owners take anything away from the Seahawks twenty-four to three, physically dominated, riveting, riveting game last night against the Giants? Oof, that was
0: uh, that was a tough <laughs> watch, was it not? I mean, my goodness. Oh. Uh, that you know, the, the Giants this time last week were favored. How crazy is that? But um, yeah.
1: it, it
0: goes to show, I, I think, that um, the, the Giants' offensive line issues, that which got worse last night. John Michael Schmitz got hurt. Um, I saw that there's been some movement on, on the practice squad uh, promoting the, some of the offensive linemen. Uh, Andrew Thomas still sidelined as well. And I saw something that uh, any Giants fans out there probably aren't going to want to hear, but Evan Neal. His uh, pro football focus grades are uh, eerily similar to one first-round bust, Eric Flowers, uh, for, from his Oof. days with Big Blue. Whoa. So things are not looking good. I was shocked this morning when when I looked at the Bucs score and saw that Daniel Jones actually completed 27 of his 34 pass attempts because it felt like every time he dropped back, uh, he was yeah. in hell for, for the most part. I mean, he had no time whatsoever. That There's no running back depth on that team. So as long as Saquon Barkley's out, the Giants are basically a big goose egg for, for fantasy purposes. On, on the um, on the Seahawks' side of the letter, I, I don't know how much there was actually actionable to, to take away because the Giants were just so gassed with all those short drives and everything. Um, so, you know, we, we see Kenneth Walker look at, looking pretty sharp uh, for the most part. Uh, had that long touchdown, I believe, called back. But... Uh, even still, Noah Fant showed a pulse, which was good. Jackson Smith and Jigba continues to disappoint, however. So, if you invested a 6 round pick in him, you're not ready to jump ship yet. And the, the Seahawks are on a buy this week, so maybe they, they take some time over these next two weeks to, to kind of recalibrate and find a way in which they can get him the ball a little bit more. Um, but I, I think it, for the for this next little bit, until uh, Smith and Jigba starts to show something, he's someone that you can pretty much safely leave on your bench.
1: You mentioned the Seahawks on bye this week. Also, the Browns, Chargers, and Buccaneers are on by this week. Okay, so who tops your running back waiver wire list this week?
0: Um, for, for me, it's probably Jaleel McClain, or McLaughlin. I'm sorry um, of the of the Denver Broncos. Javante Williams will have will to monitor his status. It doesn't seem like he's going to be out long if he even misses this week. So there, there is you know that, that to consider. In um, a similar deal with with the Rams backfield, I'll get to in a second. But McLaughlin is running well. He's an undrafted rookie out of Youngstown State. I will freely admit that I did not really have him on my radar during draft season or anything like that. But um, he's done well with, with his opportunities thus far. You can't really take that away from him. And Samajit P Peat is. much the definition of just a guy Um, he's pretty effective as a pass catcher over his career he has 112 catches on 135 targets that's definitely solid definitely useful um, to an extent but you know just a four yards per carry guy over a you know eight year sample at this stage which oh boy that makes me feel old I remember him in college Um, but at at the same time I I think with what McLaughlin is putting out there versus what P. Ryan is putting out there it seems like McLaughlin is that is that secondary option Behind Javante Williams, who has potential upside this week if Javante is sidelined, and, and uh, looking at the at the Rams' backfield with Kyron Williams and uh, his his hip injury, is anything that sidelines him for this week? I, I don't think it will because it's just a bruise, according to the reports. So I think just you know taking it easy in practice this week should have him ready to go uh, for for this coming weekend. But if he's unavailable or if you have an obvious drop. Um, and you want to speculate a little bit on this in backfield? I'm less interested in Ronnie Rivers than I am in Zach Evans, and I know that Zach Evans was inactive this past week, but I think on a talent basis, you know, McVeigh's always a tough guy to, to, uh, to trust with, with his running back evals, but Evans, five-star recruit coming out of high school, good production at, at TCU and uh, at Ole Miss, um, I think that he's more NFL-ready than Ronnie Rivers. Ronnie Rivers, I, I think, can be someone that um, is useful in PR format, so that there's that's something to consider. Um, but I, I think if Tyron Williams is to miss any time, Evans is probably the one uh, that I prefer. But in in terms of like your free agent budget, I'm not putting more than five bucks on either.
1: Okay, so a couple other running backs to ask about here: Jonathan Taylor expected to return to Colts practice tomorrow. What's his current fantasy value?
0: I mean. I wish I had a great answer for that. I I don't. I I mean, it's definitely encouraging uh, that he's returning to practice. I mean, I I think that you would have been justified in kind of expecting this time last week to just be like, oh, this this, this might not be a thing this year. So um, we'll see if if he's able to return anytime soon. Um, I I forget when exactly Uh, he will be eligible to do so. But, you know, within practicing, that opens up a three-week window for, for him to make his return uh, to the Indianapolis lineup. So uh, the, the second that he's activated, you got to plug him into your lineup. I, I think that what the returns that we've seen are from the Indianapolis, Indianapolis backfield, save for uh, the one useful game from Zach Moss a couple weeks ago, um, it, it's just, you know, Jonathan Taylor on a talent basis alone is a top five running back in this league. Even if there's some rust to knock off, um, it, it's hard to leave him on your bench the second that he comes back.
1: Devon Aychen uh, is he the number one running back in Miami?
0: It's trending that way. Um, I, I, I'm ready to, to get up on Mostert, and I, I think if you're Miami, I think it's pragmatic to use both of those guys because neither of them are true workhorses, and uh, in in most cases, um, a lot of injury history that, that's pretty concerning. So I think that we're going to see um, you know something trending towards a split, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised with, with what Aychen has put on tape. In the, in the in the box score of these last two weeks that, that he does assume the, the uh, number one role in name. But I'm not sure that A-Chain, with, or a I'm sorry, with, with the uh, physical frame that, that he has, that he's someone that you can scale up to like 20 carries and, and five catches uh, every single week. I think that he's still going to remain someone that in that 12 to 15 touch range. But when his per-touch uh, output is as impressive as it is, that's still someone that, that you're uh, starting with confidence. Every single week. So bottom line there, if you have H M, keep him in. Keep him in that starting lineup. The guy is unbelievably electric. You get a matchup against the, the Giants this week. You're 10-point favorites at home. That sets up phenomenally for, for him. But I think Mostert is still someone that, that you hang on to. I don't think that Sunday, uh tough day up in Buffalo, is, is anything to really like write off Mostert over.
1: DeMondre Stevenson has been awful the first four weeks. Any reason for hope that that might change?
0: Well, I mean, last year was, was so good that it, it's um it's hard to totally jump ship. But in, in fantasy football, you just don't really have a lot of time to be patient with these guys. So I think it, at the very least, the the idea of him returning uh, 4 down value, that ship uh, has, has largely sailed. He did out-snap um, or out carry Ezekiel Elliott. He had a sixty percent uh rushing share this past weekend. Zeke just a twenty-six percent rushing share. So he's still getting the looks, but I think that the, the problem lies beyond a little bit Stevenson and it's more so to do um with the overall state of this Patriots offense that is just completely stuck in the mud. Um, you know, even Mac Jones, who's not a particularly sympathetic figure, he has nothing around him to work with in, in that passing game. He has a squadron of number three, number four type receivers, and a pretty good tight end. Uh, that, that's about what he's working with. So um, I, I just have low expectations for this Patriots offense, and I think part of the theory for, for being bullish on, on the Patriots run game coming into the year was the defense was going to be so good that um, you know they were going to set up the offense in short field, get the offense a lot of possessions by, by forcing a lot of free and outs. That hasn't necessarily been the case. Matthew Judon got hurt this past weekend. We don't know if he's going to be back this season with that biceps injury. So, um, it, you know, you're kind of counting on one hand, washing the other way when it came to uh, looking at the Patriots for fantasy this year, and it's not really working thus far, and it's hard to imagine it getting a ton better. But uh, going up against the Saints this week and then uh, the Raiders next week, um, that, that could help get squeeze some useful weeks out of Ramondre Stevenson, but um, I, I think at this stage he, he's viewed as, as a flex option at best.
1: John McKechnie of com, Currying the Sports Zone, our weekly fantasy football update with John. Okay, wide receivers on the waiver wire. Who stands out this week?
0: Uh, let's see here. So, uh, on the receiver front, I, I think you, you start in Green Bay. Uh, Romeo Dobbs continues to, to impress. I know Christian Watson back in the fold last week at, on a limited basis, but I think Dobbs is really kind of starting to establish himself as, as someone that the Packers aren't going to, to take off the field for, for almost anybody. Watson can have a, a different role. They have different skill sets. Um, so he's someone, Romeo Dobbs, uh, that, that I would certainly consider picking up if he were available on my waiver wire. Um, beyond that, uh, if there's been an impatient manager in your league and Jamison Williams is out there. I think he's worth a speculative ad, but you have to have mm-hmm. someone that, that I think is, a, is an obvious uh, drop. I don't think that, you know, if, if you're borderline on someone that, that you absolutely need to go ahead and, and take the plunge on Jamison Williams mm-hmm. and Tyler Boyd um, in shallower leagues, he, he is available in a bunch of spots with, with T Higgins getting banged up with that rib injury. Um, he's someone that, that I would consider as well. And then a little bit further down, Josh Downs, Um, you know, things kind of came back to normal this past week with Gardner Minshew being sidelined. The the Indianapolis Colts didn't throw quite as much this past weekend, but I still think Downs is the type of talent that that over the course of of this season is going to start to establish himself as a potential fantasy option. So it's pretty light in the waiver wire this week as far as obvious options. We don't have a, a, a Josh Palmer type to scoop this week in lieu of a Mike Williams injury, anything like that. But um, I think those are the guys that, that I would circle if I'm making moves at the receiver position. You
1: know, the Cardinals' Michael Wilson, he might be good. assume he can stay healthy, but that rarely happens when he's at Stanford.
0: That's a very good point, actually. I'm glad you brought him up. He's someone that I targeted a lot in like the last round of, of best ball drafts, so I'm happy that, that I made that move in a bunch of spots although less happy about it considering that the opportunity cost was, was probably Puka Nakua a bunch of times, but different discussions, but Michael Wilson, um, I think just generally I'm encouraged by Josh Dobbs. I mean, how, how can you not be? I mean, I think even against a a really brutal matchup like like the 49ers on the road last week, Dobbs was able to put up, you know, fairly decent uh, fantasy production and and spread it out to, to some of those targets there. So Michael Wilson, um, I think with the rest of the personnel being what it is in that Arizona receiving core where you kind of have the small, shifty, fast guys like your Marquise Browns and your Rondale Morris, he gives them legitimate size and verticality on, on the outside. Um, so he, he kind of is one to himself as far as that, that role and that skill set is concerned. So Michael Wilson is definitely someone that I'm considering on the waiver wire this week. Too.
1: Cooper Cup expected to return this week, at least in practice and I assume in the game. Uh, seems This might be a dumb question, but how might Cup's return alter the Rams' pass catchers?
0: Well, I, I think that you're, you're, or put it this way a couple weeks ago, I think people were split as to whether it's going to be Kuka Nakua or Tutu Atwell that, that was going to uh, survive Cup returning. I think it's, the answer is pretty clear at this point. I think Tutu Atwell mm-hmm. is the one, and Ben Jefferson, too, that, that are at risk of, of losing a significant amount of targets. Now, we'll see how Nakua's role changes, and I I would imagine that we're going to see a bit of a target reduction for him, but I think it's still going to result in in useful fantasy usage for for the rookie. So I I don't think that Nakua is anyone that you need to panic about just because Cup is returning. You've had several weeks to think about this at this point, given um, what Nakua has done uh, through the early part uh, of, of the season. So Nakua, I think, is going to be fine Maybe we've already had his peak weeks, but that's okay. Um, I, I think that he's still someone that can give you startable production as a wide receiver three going forward with Cup back. And if Cup is back this week, uh, I'm, uh, unless the the Rams say something to the effect of him being on a pitch count, um, I think you're, you're starting Cup with confidence uh, this coming Sunday against the Eagles.
1: Should Calvin Ridley owners be discouraged, um, you know, down or? How should they be reacting?
0: Well, as someone who has a ton of Calvin Ridley this year and a ton of Trevor Lawrence as well, I am concerned. Um, I, I think uh, getting the second week in a row in, in London, you're know, you you're less worried about the travel wear and tear on, on these guys coming into this weekend. But it is a tough matchup against the Bills. And I, I think the overarching thing with, with the Jaguars at, at this stage is the offense, everything – it requires so much effort there's nothing that's easy in this offensive team. There's the short passes to Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, but they're not really getting that vertical element uh, to their passing game. And, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, kind of a joke when you have Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback and Calvin Ridley as, as your wide receiver one, uh, they need to get that figured out. Um, my, my colleague Mario Puig was kind of wondering if this is a problem that, that gets worse, not better over the course of the season, and that, that kind of has added to my dread when it when it comes to Calvin Ridley. I'm still starting Ridley, but but um, I, and I think that things could turn around. And, you know, it did take the Jaguars a, a good bit of time last year to really hit their stride. It, it took basically until late in the season, say, for a couple games early in the year. So hold tight when it comes to Ridley. Don't trade him. Uh, Don't bench him anything like that, but but do temper your expectations until we start to see this offense uh, find its rhythm a little bit more.
1: Speaking of offense, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Are Trevor Lawrence and even Dak Prescott, are they fantasy starting quarterbacks at this point?
0: Uh, They're fringe. Uh, They're they're fringe starters at at this point. Um, I I think we've seen um, enough at at this stage and, and enough from some of the other quarterbacks out there to where um, you you kind of have to play the matchups when it comes to Lawrence and, um, and with Dak Prescott, Prescott this week going out to San Francisco. um, I'm hoping that I have a better option somewhere else on my roster, even like a CJ Stroud, I would start over, over Dak Prescott this week, but for Lawrence in a game where the the Jaguars should be trailing, there should be enough volume uh, in terms of the passing game to, to, kind of help carry him to a, to a startable a uh, fantasy day, but you're, you're probably not expecting like a stealing game where he where he's giving you 300 yards and three touchdowns.
1: Okay, so you, you mentioned C.J. Stroud. Uh, is is he a fantasy starting quarterback? Pretty much in every league yet, or is he not quite reached that point?
0: He is. Like you, pretty much have to have a top five, six quarterback uh, in my opinion to to really justify. Uh, leaving C.J. Stroud on your bench, he's obviously a must-start in, in two quarterback and uh, super flex uh, leagues. But, you know, Stroud has been nothing short of spectacular to, to start his NFL career. I thought last week it was going to be where the rubber rubber met the road for him because going up against the Steelers with the offensive line issues that that, um, that the Texans had going in and what the Steelers had done the last two weeks where they basically won games with their defense and with their pass rush. I thought that was a nightmare setup for Stroud, and what did he do? He delivered a win, threw a couple of touchdowns, was effective, was efficient all the way through. So I I feel like Stroud is definitely someone that you can start every single week. Uh, The passing volume uh, has been excellent. I mean, it's top three in the league right now. Only Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford have thrown more passes, so it's a very fantasy-friendly setup. Uh, that they're running there, and he's averaging eight yards per attempt. He's got six touchdowns, no interceptions thus far. Uh, got to clean up the fumbles a little bit, but I, I think all told, Stroud is, is, has done well enough to where you can start to um, consider him someone that you're starting every week.
1: And he's going to get some offensive linemen back maybe as early this week too, which would help and uh, he might even, I can't say be better, but uh, might clean up the fumble thing. Okay, fantasy owners, Should they be benching Joe Burrow uh, who between the offensive line and the calf injury seems to pretty much have little chance to get by or be positive at the, uh, in the fantasy realm these days.
0: Right. So they're in this weird stretch where they've got two more games before the bye, And I think it's it's kind of debatable as to whether the Bengals with, with the uh, investment that they sunk into Joe Burrow um, right before the season should be risking, Uh, you know, they're, they're, premier uh franchise asset um so i i imagine that burrow is is a strong enough personality to where if he can if he can go he's not going to do the deshaun watson thing and be physically cleared medically cleared and and still not play he's still going to get out there but you do absolutely need to temper your expectations with, with joe burrow basically until after the bye and then they have games against san francisco and buffalo so really you might be in a spot here where you're not starting Joe Burrow until week 10. And at that point, it's like, is he worth having? Do you need to uh, explore a trade with, with someone who, you know, has Jamar Chase in, in your league? Something like that. Uh, T. Higgins being out certainly doesn't help either. So this is this is a tough scene in, in Cincinnati. And I don't think that uh, the, uh, the light's at the end of the tunnel anytime soon.
1: Last up, uh, by sell? Dallas Goddard, who's been mostly MIA while he's actually been on the field uh, the first four games. What do we do with him?
0: Yes, he, he's been a surprising uh, kind of bust thus far for fantasy. No touchdowns, under 100 yards so far through, through four games. He's running tons of routes. So, like, the route participation is there. The staff count is there. It's just it's empty production. It is, Jalen Hurts is simply – Looking elsewhere when when he goes to drop back, and it's understandable when you have AJ Brown, of course. But um, last year, Devontae Smith only did well when Dallas Goddard was out. That's not the case this year. Devontae Smith has taken another step forward in his development, and now the, the Eagles have you know kind of made use of leveraging their their top end wide receiver depth, and it, it comes at the uh, at the detriment of one Dallas Goddard. So. He does have some some pretty favorable matchups as far as uh, defenses versus tight ends are concerned. The Rams, the Jets, and the Dolphins these next th- three weeks all rank in the bottom 10. So I think this is a time where uh, if you're interested in buying low on Dallas Goddard uh, from a frustrated manager that, that has him, I would certainly endorse that. I think he's talent-wise. I think he's a top 10 tight end in the league, maybe top eight when you, when you factor in the offense. So, Um, I'm still a believer. I'm still holding on to to Dallas Goddard where I have him. And, and, uh, yes, if if there is someone with with, uh, some notable frustration with him in your league, I think this is the time to kick the tires. I think we have a pretty good three-week stretch coming up for Goddard.
1: I'm an owner, and I'm getting uh, towards the notable frustration level. So we'll see how this goes. All All right, John, good stuff as always. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Hopefully it'll be a better waiver wire next week
0: hope so. I, I believe it will.
1: But, you know, we, we still had a, had a good one here. Thanks again for having me on. I'll catch you next week. All right. John McKechnie, rotowire.com. Excellent stuff. Kind of a slow waiver wire period. Uh, for this is this the slowest for sure in the first you know, five weeks of the season. And uh, we'll see how this goes. we got the bye weeks kicking in. So that kind of uh, alters one's approach some weeks in fantasy football. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Going to be kind of a shorter segment, which is usually the case on Tuesdays because I usually have a lot of things to ask John, like today. Even when the waiver wire is slim, but I'm not, uh, I was not anticipating when the fantasy season began to ask oh, Joe Burrow, do we sit Joe Burrow question basically in week five of the season or any week of the season for that matter next segment once again phone call time if you want to get in quickly 602-260-1060 also some local roundup that'll be topped by diamondbacks and brewers series preview of course that series begins this afternoon our time in milwaukee you're listening to sports zone with bob kemp on KDUSAM 1016 1060 and kiss lux hd2 100.7
0: It's time for today's local roundup
1: welcome back to the sports zone with bob kemp on kdus am 1060 and Castleux hd2 100.7 in addition to the local roundup it is his phone call time to the kdus hotline 602 260 1060 if you want to jump aboard quickly we'll get you in might only be a couple of minutes but uh, jump aboard quickly i'm kind of a uh, some poor time management by me and really the first segment more than the second segment. Always good to talk to John, uh, but I maybe dragged out the first segment too long, and I'm probably dragging this segment out right now too long. So, 602, 260, 1060. All right, the Diamondbacks are significant underdogs in the wild card game today at Milwaukee. The pitching matchup certainly is the reason for that. Corbin Burns, 10-8. and eight and they haven't been great in his starts. I mean, they've lost, uh, it's roughly a 50-50 thing for the uh, Brewers when he started uh, with a 339 earn-run average. They're 185 favorites today against Brandon Fott, who's 3-9 and nine with a 572 earn-run average. The total in all four of these games today, by the way, is 7.5, at least at the last I looked earlier this morning. Uh, so it's kind of a universal thing. I was a little surprised the game in Philadelphia is 7.5, but the Marlins are not a real good offensive team. The Brewers on the season 55 and 36 when they've been favored, the Diamondbacks are 40 and 42 in the underdog, so that's not too bad for the Diamondbacks possibilities there. Christian Yelich, once again the Brewers' best offensive player, he's been uh, this is the best season he's had since the MVP year. Remember he's had a couple surgeries since then and the back seemed to hold up during the season. He hit uh, 278 for the season. That's 26th best in Major League Baseball. His on-base percentage of 370 is 14th best in Major League Baseball among all hitters. Also, the Diamondbacks cannot overlook Wilson Contreras, their catcher. He's hit, uh, in fact, in the last 18 regular season games, he had at least one hit in every one of those. So, uh, hot going into the playoffs. Soon-to-be NL Rookie of the Year, Corbin Carroll has been the Diamondbacks' best hitter, uh, really all season long for the most part. He finished the regular season with a 287 batting average. That was 15th in Major League Baseball. His on-base percentage of 363, is 20th in baseball. An incredibly good rookie season for Corbin Carroll. Meanwhile, uh, to win the series, the Diamondbacks are likely going to have to You know, get some production from Christian Walker, who has struggled, especially against high fastballs. Uh, So hopefully uh, they can figure that out, or he can figure that out. He did finish the regular season, hit .258, uh, but did have 38 home, 33 home runs, excuse me, and 36 doubles. The Diamondbacks won five of the seven regular season meetings, but all those games played before June the 21st, and I've kind of. they uh, separated the Diamondback season in the line of demarcation from really good offensively to pretty average or below average offensively for the middle of June. So these teams haven't played a game since June the 21st, so I don't think the season series, quite frankly, means a whole lot. All right, other quick couple of quick things here from uh, the uh, local roundup here. The Cardinals, the 1-3 th- and three Cardinals, three-point home underdogs Sunday against the 1-3 and three Bengals. The Cardinals were seven-point underdogs last week in the look-ahead line, but that number dropped significantly after the uh, Bengals' dismal performance in the 27-3 loss at Tennessee. Also, the Cardinals made roster moves on Monday, including release in corner Christian Matthew, who was uh, basically – Really, I'm kind of stretching it to call it a Steve Kine mistake because Matthew was a seventh-round pick in 2022. But he never really did much. Um, He didn't really do anything that kind of stood out to me. I've mentioned several times the last two years on this show. During the preseason and when he got a chance to play in the regular season, he pretty much didn't do anything. So they've now released him. Basically, I don't think he did a whole lot as a corner or on special teams with two different coaching staffs. So I think the, the, uh, excuse me, the Cardinals doing the right thing by releasing him. Meanwhile, the 1-4 ASU, a four-and-a-half-point home underdog in Saturday's game against 3-2 uh, and two Colorado. The betting market uh, has had some ASU money over the past two days. Colorado opened on Sunday as a six-point favorite, uh, now down to the four-and-a-half-point number. ASU must run the bell better and force some turnovers. The the uh, the Sun Devils' longest run in five games this season has been 17 yards. Five games—that's their longest run—and the defense in five games has one takeaway total. Meanwhile, ASU—we'll uh, see. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out more about them on Saturday. The U of A, three and two now, a 20-point, 21-point underdog on Saturday. That game's at five and zero USC. Last year, this was a close game in Tucson, 45 to 37. Jed Fish made it clear on Monday that Jaden Delora, if he's healthy, is the starting quarterback. The head coach also said Delora was scheduled to be reevaluated before today's practice, so we'll see if he practices today. Meanwhile, one other quick Suns note here in the local roundup: uh, an injury announcement yesterday for the Suns during the Monday media day. Guard Damian L- uh, Damian Lee. Has a uh, sustained a right knee uh, meniscus injury. He's going to be out until further notice. The injury occurred during an on-court workout at the uh, at the performance center last this past week, heading into training camp, which I guess officially starts today uh, for the Suns. All right, coming up next, we we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the national roundup, including. A little from the scoreboard, we'll talk about the Monday night football game a little bit in the next segment. And whatever else I can jam into the national roundup, so stay tuned for that. Don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow on Wednesday, as usual, with the full three hours of local morning programming, the sports zone starting from 9 to 10. And that will include an Oklahoma-Texas preview. We'll cover the uh, OU side of things in that uh, big... uh, it used to be—I uh, forgot what they used to call it—but it was not. It's not politically something shootout, and that's not politically correct anymore. So it's now the Red River Rivalry, which you have to—at least I have to say—very slowly, because there's a lot of R's going on there. You're listening to Sports though with Bob Kemp on KDUSA, M1060, and Kess Lux HD2, 100.7. As always, we thank you for listening. It is thank you time. I should say that first. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sipped to the cracks. Also, our guest today, our weekly fantasy football update with John McKechnie from rotowire.com. 9.15 tomorrow, we'll preview Saturday's OU in Texas game, the Red Red, uh, Red River Shootout is what they used to call it, but that's not politically correct anymore, so we can't say that even though I just said it. Like 10 seconds ago. Not even that. Anyway, we'll preview the OU-Texas game with uh, Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman. Uh, sound today Day, courtesy of Major League Baseball, WTMJ. Lots of flagship stations for baseball highlights here. SN590. Uh, TIBM. Also WDAE. NBC Sports. ESPN. CBS and Fox. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. All right. Quickly, last night, bad football game, really unwatchable football game other than Devon Weatherspoon, who we loved before the draft when he was in Illinois last year. We loved him as a corner there. And he looks like he's going to be a big-time NFL player. Troy Ekman, I think, has found a new favorite player, by the way. 97-yard interception return in the third quarter. And the uh, Seahawks uh, had 11 sacks. That's a team record in a 24-3 victory over the Staggering, struggling, inept offensive, uh, inept uh, New York Giants. Uh, The Giants have been outscored 77-9 in the first half this season. They're the lone NFL team with zero first-half touchdowns thus far this season. Meanwhile, uh, the offense, no Saquon, no Andrew Thomas, basically no chance. I felt badly for Jamal Adams, who finally came back and played. He lasted nine snaps and suffered a concussion His first game in a year since he uh, suffered a torn quad during the 2022 season opener. All right, quickly from the wire. Whip through some things here as fast as I can here. The Steelers' uh, Kenny Pickett avoided major injury Sunday against Houston. Uh, Mike Tomlin just talked to the media a few minutes ago, and he's not ruling out Pickett apparently for this week. Even though I didn't hear that press conference, I just read a quick text alert. Uh, T. Higgins might play through the rib injury that forced him to leave Sunday's game at Tennessee. The Bengals, of course, here Sunday against the Cardinals. This Sunday, uh, Teron Armstead uh, is going to miss at least one game. The Miami starting left tackle He's going to miss the Giants game. Uh, they may not even need a left tackle against the Giants because they're not good. Uh, but anyway, he might be. He's going to be out for at least one week. Uh, Chase Claypool might actually be released before the Thursday night game against the Commanders. Uh, he's been asked to stay away from the team, basically. Uh, not surprising. He's now been with two teams, and he's been a problem in both places. College football, Duke quarterback Ryland Leonard has a right, a high right ankle sprain um, they have a bye this week, Duke does. But, you know, they play next, October 14th, against NC State before they have road games against Florida State and Louisville. Iowa starting quarterback Cade McNamara did not return in Saturday's win against Michigan State. Suffered a left knee injury. There's speculation that he is out for the season. I believe that Kirk Ferentz is talking today within the next hour or so, so we should have more on him tomorrow, him, him being McNamara. NC State is changing start court, starting quarterbacks because of performance. Uh, Brandon Armstrong, who has been terrible so far this year, uh, has been benched. He was actually really good at Virginia a couple years ago, wasn't very good at Virginia last year, hasn't been any good at NC State this year. MJ Morris will be the starting quarterback for the uh, Wolfpack in uh, for the foreseeable future, let's put it that way. All right, that's it for the uh, the sports zone for today. We'll be back tomorrow once again. Two hours or three, three hours of local programming starting with this show from nine to ten. It's the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla, from ten to noon. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening, and have a great rest of your Tuesday.